2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: Hello, Man fans. Ollie Man here with The Modern Man. This week's episode is about sleep. Uh, it's not normally a good thing to say as a broadcaster. Listen to my podcast if you have trouble sleeping. Um <laughs> But my guest today is a sleep doctor, an insomnia expert, which is fascinating, I think, whether you personally uh, suffer from insomnia or not. A couple of things to update you on before we get going, though. Um, A few of you have been in touch to ask what happened to Daniel Pike. Daniel is the guy I interviewed at the end of season two in the episode The Man Who Lives in the Woods. Over the summer, I'm afraid to report, he was forcibly evicted from his home, which he built, which was an astonishing place, Uh, but it was on Woodland Trust land, He was arrested. Um, The good update, according to a YouTube video that he released last month, is he's making a go of reintegrating into society, and it's going okay. He's moved back in with his mum, he's got his old job back, and he is in love. Uh, So, Daniel, uh, all the best from all of us. It was a privilege to come and see what you built. I hope you have a happier life out of the woods this time round. Some other news relating to season one of the show – Uh, You might recall episode eight, which was called Gambling Nearly Killed Me. I met an anti-gambling campaigner called Matt, whose life was ruined through addiction to fixed odds betting terminals in bookmakers. Uh, That completely changed my mind about how important it is to regulate those machines. Uh, Well, the good news is it looks like change may finally be on its way. The UK government is conducting a review uh, to consider whether the current maximum stake of £100, which you can spend in seconds, is acceptable, or whether that should be reduced to stop exploiting vulnerable people. Uh, So fingers crossed. I mean, I fail to see how that report cannot conclude there needs to be more regulation there. Uh, But if you are one of the young men who wrote to me after that episode to say "This has affected me, Ollie, I am living proof of the damaging effect of those machines don't write to me, write to the government. Tell them uh, because they 're calling for evidence i've shared the link on my facebook page facebook.com slash Ollie man uh, right in this episode you 're going to learn how cloves can be used to spice up your love life, why your tablet computer may be ruining your mental health potentially, uh, and exactly how many minutes are in the master clock in your super-charismatic nucleus, and what the fuck that means. Let's go! On this week's Modern Man...
3: Our brain is beginning to register that it's getting dark, it's meant to be moving us towards sleep, and then we go and stick a mini-sun in our face.
0: Why technology isn't the answer to getting a good night's sleep.
1: But Mistress Magpie said clove cigarettes can work for some people...
0: And Alex Fox has a smoking question of sex in the foxhole. But first, it's all the stories you missed this week because you're far too important with Ollie Pitt. Hello, Ollie. Hi, Ollie. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. What are the stories we should all be discussing this week? CJ. De Mui. Oh, not cranberry juice.
2: Have you heard of CJ Demui? I haven't. He is a professional quizzer. And he's best known for eggheads. Have you ever seen that show, Eggheads? I have,
0: okay, so that's the BBC One is it daytime quiz show? Yeah, I think so. And there's with
2: Dermot Moynihan. Well, it was him, yeah. and then I think it's Jeremy Vine now. Like he a was panel like, of expert quizzes. And he was one of the experts. And he was a professional quizzer. He actually entered loads of quizzes in two thousand, including fifteen to one, countdown, the weakest link, where he went completely mental after losing and had a little bit of a went on a bit of a tirade. hundred percent, never even seen that yeah, right. show. Beat the nation. Okay, we get the idea. Yeah, yeah, him. Into his quizzes. He thought his life was interesting enough to write an autobiography. And he described his early life and he had a terrible childhood. And then he ran away from home and was homeless for a bit. But he ran away to to Holland. Anyway, he also details an incident that happened to him in 1988 where uh, he got into an altercation with a mugger. And he said, he caught me on the wrong day and I just snapped. I knocked the knife out of the mugger's hand and threw him into the canal. I fully suspect I killed him. I have no idea what happened to him. What?
0: Yeah. I fully suspect I killed him.
2: I fully suspect I killed him. I have no idea what happened to him.
0: By the by, in an anecdote like that. In a book. That's a weird dinner party chat, isn't it?
2: Anyway, the Dutch police, they found out and they issued a European arrest warrant for... Him, yeah. In 1988, they actually found 12 bodies in that canal. I mean, most of them probably fell in, but the fact that he said in that year, yeah, he threw someone in there.
0: Okay, so uh, the guy from Eggheads is now facing international justice.
2: Well, the court in Britain has said no. There's not enough evidence to extradite him. So for the, for now, he's safe. But there's a bigger issue, Ollie. You see that could be you and me, couldn't it? No. Well, not to the same I've level. I've never...
0: There's no anecdote in which I could place the line, I suspect I killed him. No,
2: but it's the giving away too much information in a public space because we have social media now, right? Oh, Do you I see. think people kind of... Like, the the most common one probably is whinging about your boss or work or whatever, mm. where you kind of go, work is rubbish, I hate my boss, he is such... And, and then you go to work the next day and yeah. you lose your job. Yeah. And that has happened. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I know. Have you ever done anything?
0: Uh, the problem is sometimes just by someone's provocative nature but especially if they're trolling you you sort of get the impression that it's okay to play foul and you forget they're a real person i remember the very first show i ever did on lbc a guy tweeted me and his his handle was adolf fistia <laughs> 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 he had a he had a twitter handle that was named after a, a notorious dictator and a sexual act that's quite aggressive i think it's fair to say and he tweeted me during the show constantly to say things like that. Grow up, you now be, pan, be liberal. And after about three hours of it, I couldn't handle it. It was four in the morning. I was getting used to overnight work. I tweeted back, go fuck yourself. <laughs> because that's what I would do if I wasn't on the radio. And then he started getting really weird. He then tweeted me back saying, I can't believe I've just been told to go fuck myself by an LBC presenter. I'll be writing to your bosses soon. I wrote back to Adolf Fistia <coughs> and I said, I'd assumed by your jolly name that you were prepared... For Twitter fisticuffs Sorry if you're having a sense of humour failure Lol But that went down well Actually he, he backed off a bit Like he went Okay well just watch your language well, Imagine that imagine, imagine Adolf Fistia Writes to your boss first what? day in uh, Alright what else is going on this week Ollie?
2: Zeitverblatt Okay Basically it's a cafe that's opened in Manchester There's actually quite a few of them And you pay by the minute Basically it's 6 P a a minute You go in, you can have as much coffee, cakes.
0: Oh, it's eat all you like. Eat
2: all you like. And basically you sit in there and it's capped. There's a capped limit, which I went on the website to try and find out what the capped limit was. Don't know. Could be anything. So it's
0: 6p per minute. 6p per minute. So just doing some quick maths on this now. Yeah. 60 minutes in an hour. Six times 60, which is... 360, so £3.60 an hour. £3.60 an hour, is that right? Yes, okay. that sounds right. That's quite a good deal then, isn't it? If you're That's there for an, an you... hour, two croissants and a coffee, three, £3.60.
2: Yeah, it's pretty good. And I'd imagine most people sort of use it as an office space. That's kind of the idea. So it stemmed yeah. from this, uh, the original concept was a treehouse in Moscow. And they basically used to all meet up these guys and like write poems and that. It was to improve their poetry and stuff. And then uh, they thought, mm, well, you know, we need to pay for this space. So they did like a subscription thing and then it was pay, pay as you go. Uh-huh. I've thought about some places that you could apply it as well. Where I think that it worked really well, one of them is petrol stations because people take ages in petrol stations. So you pay for your fuel, obviously, but then you pay by the minute when you're in there. So people go in, pay, and get out. Do you like that one? No. That's good. What? Why is no, that not good? Because
0: it completely misunderstands the economics of running a petrol station, doesn't it? Because they're actually not making any profit out of the fuel. Really, they're making money by selling you bagels.
2: Since when were you a petrol station <laughs> magnate? I've
0: actually been through the indignity of uh, interviewing a petrol station owner at <laughs> length on local radio.
2: They don't make money on the petrol? Not really, no. So when I go in and I don't buy a pack of That's Quavers, they're not making any yeah, money? Yeah,
0: exactly. That's why they've all got like Costa Coffee in there now. and That's know. why a Flapjack's £3.80. Exactly. Right. It's like the cinemas don't really make money out the films, they make money out the popcorn. I've got a Dragon's Den idea of my own. Is it based on pay by the
2: minute? No.
0: Go on. Um, it's but it's, just, it's, a, it's an idea that occurred to me the other day and I thought, yeah, why doesn't that exist? Mm. Ready? flavoured ice cubes.
2: Yeah, okay, that exists.
0: Does it? Well, yeah, of course it does. Where? In my freezer. Just cordial. What
2: are you doing? Just make your own.
0: You do that. You make handmade cordial flavoured ice cubes. Oh my God. And you say it's like a normal thing that everyone there does. Are, there That's are not lit- literally everybody
2: does. listening is going, what an idiot.
0: Everybody does that in the summer.
2: You're being serious. What do you
0: do with your cordial ice cubes? You put them in beers. You make so. cordial. Yeah. And then you... You put like, it in an ice cube. Yes, I understand. Then what concept. do you do with the ice cubes?
2: No, put them in water. Put them in
0: drinks, lemonade. No, never done that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You're just uh, you're actually just underlining the fact that there is a market out there. I was going to say for chumps like you, but if you're making your own, fine. I think chumps like you who shop in Waitrose, <laughs> who would be prepared to spend, let's say, two pounds fifty on a pack of ten. Right, it's ice. It costs nothing. High profit margins. I think with an advertising campaign telling people to put a lime cordial ice cube in a jar of Coke, you would make an absolute fortune. You can have that for free, <laughs> listeners, because I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to make flavoured ice cubes because life is short and one day I'll die. Or any money. Uh, what's your final trend of the week, Holly Pitt? Vine. Well, it's over. Yeah, it's dead. What is Vine? Remind us.
2: So Vine is an app, a video app, that uh, loops six-second videos. Yes. Basically, you can do, like, stop-motion animation on it. Basically, it only records when you touch the screen, so you can do, like, you can edit on the fly and all this kind of stuff. It launched in, what was it, Twenty. Twelve. I, I remember think it
0: those was. halcyon days. Something like that.
2: Yeah. God, it's so video long ago. When social
0: network felt novel. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly, and yeah. it did
2: really, really well. You know, they got loads of loads of people uh, got involved in it, and I think at one point it was the biggest video platform on the internet for a very short time. Mm. Twitter has axed it. They bought it for thirty million, like three months after it
0: They're launched. They're gonna have my flavored ice cube cover. <laughs> three million.
2: They're gonna need it, I think. Anyway, it's dead. I think actually, Vine's user base was dropping and views were dropping
0: also you can't really use vine for porn and i think any video sharing platform on the internet that can't really be used for pornography isn't going to last tumblr they've managed to make it so you can, i don't know how long a tumblr video can be but it's like two minutes or something long enough for a porn clip isn't it it's very- six seconds you know even if your appetite is insatiable is a little bit brief
2: it's very interesting you say that because Pornhub have formally put a uh, bid in for vine
0: have they? Yes. Right. I can't believe you're returning to this trope. I Long-term know. listeners of the show will remember a period where every week Ollie came in with a story about Pornhub to justify his insane consumption was, of that site. It was. <laughs>
2: it's not insane. It's just average. Do you, you
0: constantly go- say to your girlfriend, "It's like no, it's fine"? I'm just reading the press releases.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's for work. But yeah, six-second porn clips. That's exactly what they're going to do. Really? I mean, that's not long enough. No, is it's it? not long enough. Unless no. you loop it over, and I don't know. Which, no, Well vines loop. do
0: loop over. But I still think. Yeah, let's not get graphic. We That's for at the end of the show. Ollie Pitt, thank you. That passed the time. Uh, if people want to suggest a trend for next week, what should they do?
2: At The Modern Man on Twitter.
0: On Twitter, whilst it still exists, whilst well, the business still model still, still survives. Yes. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here
3: with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
0: Uh, And by that, I don't mean how many hours are there between you putting your head on the pillow, turning out the light, and the moment your alarm goes off the next morning. I'm actually asking, how many hours do you estimate you are properly asleep? Because I find it very, very hard to say. I regularly spend, what, an hour or so regularly looking up at the ceiling, tossing and turning, perhaps unable to get back to sleep after being woken up. And 30% of the UK population will at some point experience insomnia. So I wanted to talk to the preeminent British scientist in this, in most sleep disorders actually, a guy called Dr Guy Meadows. I met him to get some tips on how to cure insomnia, but I discovered his particular interest with sleeplessness came from a personal experience.
3: So one of the reasons why I got into insomnia is because when I was at the sleep research laboratories um, I was having to do nights and for anyone any of the listeners who knows what it's like to do a shift work they'll know that it can be incredibly disruptive on your sleep-wake cycle and it becomes you know and a, a common problem with that is insomnia and so I began to as a result of doing sleep research but got my first bout of insomnia. And what time
0: were you trying to go to sleep then sort of 6am or something? That's yeah
3: you basically we'd normally finish testing at about 6 we'd get home at about 8 or 9 something like that and then you're trying to sleep at that peak time when your brain is desperately trying to wake you up you know and, and did you
0: try all the stuff the blackout curtains yeah exactly i know, mean eating y- at different times you you do
3: all of the you know all of the standard advice where you you know you you wind down as best you can you mm. put a note on the the door so the postman doesn't bother you you <laughs> yeah. know you, you 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 tell your your partner or your neighbors everyone not to disturb you etc the problem is is you're fighting against the biological processes, you, your internal body clock is, is basically, all of the signals are saying, hey, it's daytime, we need to be awake, you know, and you're there, you are trying to sleep. Mm. So that was that was the, the initial sort of challenge to my sleep. And then, then I started to work in insomnia. So every day I was seeing people who couldn't sleep. And so naturally, I put my head on the pillow one day and my brain went, what if you don't sleep?
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: and, uh, and and that was actually what led me to pioneering the approach that I'm doing, because what I noticed is I started to, my instant knee-jerk reaction was, don't think about it, of course, which meant I thought about it more. And my instant, I, I tried to fix it. you know, I started trying to do lots of things like I was telling people to do. And what I realised is actually, the more I was doing, the further away it went. And so that was a, a, a light bulb moment, along with the fact that so many of my clients were coming to me and they would say, Guy, I was awake all Night, you know, I was struggling with sleep. It got to 6 a.m. I knew I had to be up at 7, and I fell asleep. And I was like, Well, what happened at 6 a.m.? And they said, well, You know, I went sod it. I, I've, you know, the night's ruined. And of course, they fell asleep. And I thought, Wow, isn't it amazing, you know, they, how they learned to let go at that moment.
0: So when people come to you, I presume, often with respect, as a bit of a last resort, that, that their first attempt will have been, you know, Googling stuff. Then they maybe have gone to see their GP. Then maybe they've bought a book or downloaded some hypnotherapy off the internet, when they get to you, they're coming to you and saying, none of that stuff works, help me. Exactly. So my, my sort of tagline, which I
3: developed nearly a decade ago, was that as I was, as I was sort of working with this, I suddenly realised, hang on, if you ask a normal sleeper what they do to sleep, they'll tell you they do absolutely nothing. But if you ask an insomniac, they'll give you a list as long as their arm. Mm. That's actually part of the problem. It's almost like the controlling aspect of being human, which is fantastic. You know, if your phone breaks, you find, you know, someone to fix it or, or get a new one. You know, we, we are able to build houses, but train tickets etc and so why not when we can't sleep why not just try and solve it in the same way so we we get busy you know we start going on the internet as you say we you know we stop drinking caffeine we stop drinking alcohol we start running marathons and but then we start going hang on i'm doing all of these so-called things right why am I not sleeping? And that actually generates its own anxiety, sleep anxiety, which keeps us awake even
0: more. I mean, I suppose in extreme cases that leads to drug addiction, doesn't it? I mean, you think of Michael Jackson when you talk about this stuff and he's taking Demerol and Propofol to go to sleep. I mean, is that uncommon? I mean, obviously, like that kind of industrial strength might be, but...
3: Sadly, it's not, and that that's all part of the sort of the desperation that builds up for my clients. People become so desperate just to get to some sleep, they will use anything, and so um, we know that eighty three percent of the people who come to see us are taking some form of pill, whether that be a prescribed medication. Most sort of commonly the Z drugs like zolpidin and zopiclone or it might be some of the older drugs like the the benzodiazepines diazepam etc it could be some of the antihistamines uh, which you can you know sort of like pyritin or you get some sort of cold and flu remedy or it could be some herbal over the counter remedy and then they might throw in a little bit of alcohol as well one of my clients who I always refer to is is she came to me and she was lining up six shot glasses of vodka on a bedside table you know and it worked it worked because it sort of knocked her out but she you know, it, it got to a stage where it, it was now a problem.
0: Yeah, she'd become an alcoholic, so she'd solved one problem and replaced it with another one. Yeah,
3: and that's why I always say the solutions effectively in the long term become the problem. Okay, so your solutions basically are what? The key thing that I've been pioneering is the use of something called acceptance and commitment therapy for insomnia. So ACT, as as it's known, is a a form of cognitive behaviour therapy. It's a newer form. So there's lots of research for traditional CBTI, cognitive behavioural therapy for insomnia, proving it to be effective. But its treatment effect is about 50%. So my point was that I wanted to do a therapy which was going to be more effective. And, And that's where I discovered this ACT therapy. I guess the easiest way to describe the difference is cbt is very much control based it's very much symptom reduction based so the aim is what can we do to get rid of the thoughts and the emotions and the insomnia and that makes perfect sense however um you ask any insomniac or anyone if they've had a racing mind in the middle of the night and they tried to get rid of the thoughts or block them out what happened they'll often tell you well that it didn't work you know they're sort of the thoughts came back in stronger and they brought their friends in with them as well (laughs) You know, and, and if they try to sort of deep breathe away their anxiety, again, it may sort of work for a little bit, but often it, it comes back. And what ACT discovered, well, actually, it's often the struggle to get rid of the symptoms, the thoughts, the emotions and the insomnia, um, which actually keeps it fueled, It keeps it alive. And so what ACT seeks to do is change the way you relate to it. And this is the the sort of the groundbreaking new approach, which an act act is 31 years old. It's got 105 randomized controlled trials, proving it to be effective for everything, for everything from chronic depression to generalized anxiety disorder, substance abuse, post-traumatic stress, chronic I mean, it's pain. It's essentially
0: saying, I accept that I'm going to struggle to get to sleep tonight. I accept that, you know, these thoughts are racing through my head. But. But then what? So, <laughs> so yeah. what? What do you do then? So, so
3: it's not just, you know, I accept that I'm insomniac Therefore, <laughs> you know, end of. So what we seek to do is, is employ processes such as mindfulness and um, other, other ones called cognitive diffusion. And what they are enabling you to do is to be able to, rather than trying to get rid of the thoughts and emotions, be able to shift your perspective on them, to become much more of an observer of them, so that you can witness that you're experiencing them, but you are open to having them. Mm. And the point there is you've suddenly gone from sort of a a state of battling and struggle to a a state of sort of acceptance and and therefore unwillingness to experience them. So in the middle of the night, I might teach someone uh, rather than, say, having to get out of bed, which is a typical CBT rule might be if you've been awake for more than 15 minutes, get out of bed and go and do something else. Mm. So we actually teach people to stay in bed and learn how not to struggle with the emotions, how to to save their energy, because you get a lot of benefit from just resting in bed. And and crucially, by doing that, what you're doing is you're changing the way your brain relates to the night. Because more often than not, what we find is that as a result of many nights of struggling, the brain begins to associate the nighttime with wakefulness and hence why it wakes you up.
0: And if your symptoms aren't that extreme, but you're listening to this and then, you know, you go to bed tonight... And you find yourself, as I did last night, just awake for what feels like two or three hours, and you don't want to be. And it's not something that happens every night, it's something that happens occasionally what is the best thing to be thinking? The
3: things that the listeners should know is that that it's perfectly normal to wake in the night. So we have, uh, we sleep in cycles, which are an hour and a half to two hours long. So every hour and a half to two hours, we have a natural awakening. And in that mode, I would just ask you to um, focus your attention onto something in the present moment. So that could be just the rise and fall of your breath. Mm. It could be the, the sense of touch between you and the actual bed, you know, sort of what you can feel. I can feel the duvet on my toes. I can feel the pillow under my head. And you're using that, as a sort of a a grounding or a sort of like an anchor uh, for your mind, which you would focus upon. And then if your mind wanders off, which, you know, suddenly it goes, what what about that podcast or what about my, you know, shopping or my to-do list? Each time it does that, you just thank it. You go, okay, thanks, thinking mind. That's great. You know, thanks for that thought, but I'm just going to come back. You might find that quite hard at first, Mm. but what we actually know is with a little bit of practice, um, it becomes, you start to strengthen the letting go muscle, which is your, your prefrontal core cortex area part of your brain and actually if you do 10 minutes of that exercise so it's a mindful breathing exercise a day for eight weeks and if we scanned your brain now and we scanned your brain at the end of eight weeks what we'd know is that the prefrontal cortex actually expands get
0: away
3: yep you change the shape of your brain you actually alter the structure of your brain yeah
0: by thinking in the moment
3: by being in the moment, yeah. So this is one of the most amazing things about modern science is we now have neuroscience. So whenever we are uh, engaging in any sort of you know sort of therapy, we can now look at whether it you know actually has a
0: change at a structural level. And, and this isn't just sort of electrodes are more weighed towards one side of the brain than the other. This is the actual physical outline of your brain in an X-ray has changed. This is
3: actually the volume of your brain, That's- yeah
0: fucking nuts
3: (laughs) (laughs) so what in how many weeks three weeks in eight weeks eight weeks but actually there was a study recently where they, they were doing 20 minutes a day and they saw structural changes I think it was in two
0: or three weeks Okay, so if you're awake tonight for two hours and you try and think in the moment, at least consider that it's a brain workout. Exactly. And, do, and, you know, the, I'm, I'm really pleased exercise. you called it like that
3: because <laughs> we are all aware of the concept of, you know, going down the gym. If we, if we went down the gym and did 10 minutes of you know, bicep curls for eight weeks, we'd get bigger biceps. Well, we now know that mental training works exactly the same. The brain is effectively a muscle and you can train that letting go muscle. And it's it, the great thing about the the prefrontal cortex is that it's responsible for focused attention it manages our mood it helps us to problem solve it helps us to be rational and so actually you know this is incredibly helpful for all areas of life let alone actually just reducing our arousal level helping us to manage our thoughts and fall back off to sleep.
0: I've read a lot of theories that say essentially the bedroom should just be for sleep and sex and that's it uh, and if you're reading a book in bed even you are stimulating your brain when really that should be a place you go to sleep
3: on that 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 rule you've heard there i completely disagree with (laughs) so so that's a that's a strong sort of cbt rule which is that the bedroom is only for sleep and sex and and I get lots of clients coming to me and and they're going but you know I really enjoy reading and you know I I want to be a normal sleeper and my issue is I want to help people become normal sleepers and normal sleepers means having a normal relaxed relationship with your bedroom which if that means you know sort of chatting with your partner reading a nice book then I would highly encourage that however there is a line in the sand and, and, and in recent years we've seen a rapid increase in the amount of light stimulation that we're receiving from all of the light emitting devices you know, suddenly when I go and do my corporate workshops, I'll ask how many of you are checking your mobiles in the last sort of, you know, sort of while well, sat in bed and, you know, sort of three quarters of the hands will go up. It's just it's what we all do now. And we'll be checking Facebook and Twitter, etc. And and so the, the line between sort of day and night has become blurred.
0: Why is that a problem in particular? To, to the light actually being emitted from the device or is it to do with the stimulation of interacting with people on social media, or is it the two together? It's both, so to put it into context, so we've got an internal body clock, 20,000
3: cells located just behind our eyes, it's uh, an area, it's our master clock in an area called our suprachiasmatic nucleus and and that's responsible for sleep and wake, it's responsible for regulating our temperature, hormones, you know, sort of appetite hormones, etc, pretty much everything, and that's kept on a time of 24 hours and 7 minutes, okay now that clock is kept on time by the rise and fall of the sun. So light and dark. So we have these 500 million year old light sensitive cells in our eyes, which right now as we're sat in this studio are detecting the light coming through that window and they're telling us what exactly what time it is. And as a result of that, that will be telling the body to initiate lots of biological reactions, which as it gets dark, that tells the body to inhibit cortisol and start releasing melatonin, the sleep promoting hormone. So here we have the issue that our brain is beginning to register that uh, it's getting dark, it's, it's meant to be releasing melatonin, moving us towards sleep and then in our infinite wisdom we go and stick a mini sun uh, in our face. And that's, so the
0: brain really does treat it like you're looking outside out of a window, that's exactly, your reaction to exactly. it. Exactly,
3: exactly, because the light, the wavelength of the light it's called blue light because it's the same wavelength as blue sky or sunlight, it's 365 nanometers, and it's the most stimulating mm. to those light sensitive cells, so effectively we know it switches off melatonin production or reduces it and delays sleep onset and reduces sleep quality.
0: So li- listening to the Radio, reading a Kindle, you know, that's got the technology where it looks like paper. That all of that's better than than using an iPad, basically. Exactly.
3: There was a lovely study done a couple of years ago where they looked, they investigated someone reading off an iPad before bed for an hour, compared to reading a print book with a, a a typical bedside lamp, which is much more of an orange light, which mm. is, which is less stimulating. And what they found is that uh, melatonin production was greatly reduced as a result of the the light stimulation from the iPad, and sleep onset was delayed and sleep quality was reduced ideally if you can switch off all of those devices at least 30 minutes before going to bed then that will really help because it just helps to signal to the brain hey sleep's on its way Let, let's go for it but there are now lots of blue light filters coming out so for example you know most apple devices if you swish up from the bottom you'll see something called night mode where you can click on that and and the screen goes orange and you can set it so all my devices will go orange from 7 p.m and they go blue again the normal light from 6 a.m
0: and that has a real scientific basis in it
3: yeah exactly i mean that's just filtering and you out use the, that? and i that yeah absolutely so, you, so
0: even in the in the summer when it's light outside yep you yep. set your device On night mode from seven PM. Because what you've got to
3: recognise is the light the the wavelength of the light outside. Let's say it's a summer's evening and it's, you know, sort of uh, nine or ten PM at night. The wavelength of that light is still actually much more orange than, say, the sort of the set blue light that's been emitted from your phone.
0: And let's talk hours then, because this is another preoccupation, isn't it, of those who want to sleep well to improve their health or have a problem sleeping. Yeah. They talk about how many hours are you getting standard advice is eight hours a night right is that right yeah standard device is seven to eight hours so okay. we know that the average
3: you know the, the majority of the population is sort of 85 percent, etc will, will will need as a result of their sort of genetics uh will need around seven to eight hours
0: so does that mean that there are since it's an average some people who only need
3: Four hours a night. Absolutely. So we know that um, as a result of uh, our genetics, uh, a tiny percentage, you know, 0.001% will need as little as four.
0: And some people will need as much as 12. Well, you see, that's what I was coming on to. If you're one of those unfortunate people who needs 10, Mm. chances are in the modern world you're not getting 10. Ever. No, exactly. You maybe one Saturday and four you're getting 10. Yeah. So what does that do to your health you know in the short
3: term lack of sleep basically reduces our ability to be focused uh, to be attentive to recall memory um, to increase our risk of accidents etc but in the long term we know that it plays an important role in our managing our weight managing our blood glucose levels um, keeping our hearts healthy our blood pressure healthy and also our mental health you know sort of reducing our risk of, of depression and anxiety
0: i've got a friend who swears by napping and says he takes two a day, and they're half an hour each, and he feels brilliant after each one, and I should try it. And I've tried it, and I feel dreadful after half an hour lying down.
3: Okay, so when it comes to napping, you know, I'm a huge fan of it. I do a lot of it myself. and How but much? The, um, I will, if I, if I can, I will, you know, nap uh, two to three times a week. Right. Um, What, like an hour? No, no. And this is where I think, you know, perhaps uh, you were going a little bit wrong. Uh So, and it's, you know, napping is an individual thing again. But what we know, as a rule of thumb, the ideal time for napping is between 10 and 20 minutes. Start going up to sort of 30, certainly beyond 30, and you run the risk of going into deeper sleep. Yeah, but that's what
0: I want. I wake up thinking, oh, I didn't have deep sleep. I'm just... (laughs) But the problem with 10 minutes lying on a bed, nothing's going to happen. I'm just going to be thinking.
3: Is that napping? <laughs> so, you can train yourself to nap. Okay. So, I spent about six months training myself to nap. So, basically, it meant I'd fall asleep in a minute and wake myself up naturally up after 10 minutes. Wow. But it takes... That's like
0: Britain's Got Talent Level stuff. <laughs>
3: it's, it's. But the problem, it took a lot of work. Yeah. And, and the, most people don't nap because they go, well, you know, I, I won't fall asleep, so... It's, I won't do it. Most often than not, when we're in light sleep, we don't even know whether we're asleep or not. So don't let that be a barrier to you. I would say allow yourself 20 minutes. Take sleep off the menu. You know, sort of uh, just use it as an opportunity to build, be still and rest. Mm. And if if you fall asleep, you know, hopefully you've set an alarm, etc. You don't want to be going beyond 30 minutes because then you go into brain fog territory because you're waking up out of deep sleep and you and, you know, you'll be useless to everyone. So... Okay, so 20 minutes, what time of day
0: is best for napping?
3: Ideal between 12 and 3, because that's when we have a natural dip in the, the,
0: the waking signal produced by the, the body clock. Okay, 12 till 3, just try lying down for 10 minutes, take sleep off the menu. Exactly. Okay, I'll give it a go. Dr Guy Meadows there, and if you want to find out more about him or his book or his insomnia school, head on down to thesleepschool.org. <laughs> Man fans, this podcast is free to download, but it isn't free to produce. We're making this off our own backs. We don't have big corporate backers with deep pockets. The only money we're getting in is what you can hear in advertising and sponsorship and listener donations. So if you enjoy the show and you'd like us to make even more episodes, my goal one day is to be weekly all year round. Then why not buy us a beer? to say thank you. The average cost of a pint of beer in Britain is £3.31. You can sign up on our website using a secure credit card payment to buy us one beer every month. Uh, Or you can just treat us to a one-off pint or two. Visit modernman.co.uk, click beer money, and if we ever meet, the next one's on me. Thanks. I'm too sexy for this section Yes, it's the foxhole Where we talk about sex, baby With our resident love guru Alex Fox. Hello,
1: Alex. Hello, Ollie Man. How Hello. are you, my love?
0: I'm very well, thank you. Yes, uh, we bring you this section thanks to the lovely chaps at mycondom.com. Uh, Alex, remind us of their wonderful service.
1: They sell a whole massive variety of condoms that you can buy individually, so you can try them out before you buy tons of them, uh, including quite rare varieties like the Skins Black Chocolate, which is one of my favourites, because not only does it smell and taste of chocolate, but it's actually black. So if you're a bit kinky and into SM, then you can coordinate your condom uh, with your other... Love objects.
0: Good stuff. Let's move on to talk about this week's sex question. It is from someone who is choosing to be known only as H. I don't know if it's the bloke from Steps or not. They say, My boyfriend has a smoking fetish. We've been together for a few years, and I'm happy to indulge his fetish, but I'm worried about the health connotations of smoking cigars. That's interesting, isn't it, that it's cigars? I mean, I just went immediately for cigarettes, but I guess maybe pipes, but cigars... I suppose they're more um, insertable, aren't they, cigars?
1: They're a bit thicker. So yeah. if it's the, if it's that oral fixation that yeah. turns you on, that kind of idea of something phallic being inserted between someone's lips, then yes. But also cigars are associated with power and richness, aren't they? Yeah. So if you're somebody who's submissive and is turned on by a woman smoking who's in a, in a position of dominance, yeah. then the accoutrements of dominance and, and richness, like cigars, might be might add an extra layer of uh, excitement
0: for yeah, you. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I mean, I, When, when I sort of read smoking fetish, I was immediately thinking people who just like having smoke blown in their face or whatever. But that, actually, that
1: can be part of it. Part it's of multi-layered.
0: Um, I don't inhale the smoke, says H. I used to, but it kept making me nauseous. Uh, but I know there are still dangers involved with regular cigar smoking. So, Alex, are there any alternatives to turn him on that aren't so bad for me?
1: Okay, first up, I have to be absolutely clear. Even though H isn't inhaling the smoke from these cigars, any smoke going into your mouth is still a risk. It can mm-hmm. it can give you mouth cancer over the long term. Um, however, that's a calculated risk. If, you, if H isn't doing this very often, then it's probably not a major problem. But I wouldn't be a responsible advisor if I didn't point out that it isn't ideal to be smoking in any context.
0: Sure, but th- therefore, I guess what this question hints at actually Is, you know, rather like um, with actors on stage, it's such a common problem that characters have to smoke in plays and enough actors don't smoke anymore that there are now stage cigarettes you can buy. In fact, since they introduced all these laws stopping smoking indoors, you have to use those, I think.
1: Well, that's one of my suggestions, actually.
0: Actor's cigarettes. You
1: can buy really convincing actor's cigarettes that pose no health risk whatsoever.
0: But there aren't special sex cigarettes. That's what I'm getting at.
1: Well, what? For smoking fetishists? Yeah, I sound sex, like Alan Partridge now, do I? Sex cigarettes. cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, sex cigarettes. I'm sure they exist somewhere, but I doubt they are for smoking. They sound like some kind of buzzing toy, don't they? Um, now... I have a lot of friends who work as dominatrixes and doms, and a lot of them produce smoking fetish videos or have clients that come to them to indulge smoking fetishes. So I actually asked a few of my kinky pals what their ideas were on this. Uh, And they've come up with some (laughs) stunning suggestions. One of my mates, Master Dominic, said... It probably doesn't hit the spot as much, but vaping is an option. In fact, vaping fetish is becoming a new a new genre of, of indulgence for a lot of people. There are vaping fetish videos. More flavors? Oh, yeah more flavors and also those some of those really heavy duty vape machines can produce a lot of smoke so if it's the visual of someone exhaling a big billowing cloud of smoke that gets you off or breathing that directly in your face yeah. um, then vaping can still do the trick i'd so never thought of option. like
0: connection between cuz you if you maybe people with like dry ice machines have really serious smoking fetishes you know maybe andrew <laughs> lloyd webber when he came up with that whole phantom of the opera thing Yeah. You know. Maybe that was just a giant smoking fetish. Or
1: maybe he's got a fog fetish. <laughs> I can see why a fog fetish would be a thing, actually. I can, you don't, I can you see... don't know who's approaching you from out of the smoke. I can Ooh, see Lloyd Webber exciting.
0: and Brightman romping in the fog, can't
1: you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Um, he also says he favours cigars because they produce big plumes of smoke. They're less damaging if you stub them out on somebody. If someone's into pain, uh, because cigars have a wider surface area, they actually burn less and, and produce less of a uh, of an issue injury uh, other options uh, mistress magpie um another one of my mates said that clove cigars how, how many cloven-
0: dominatrixes did you write to for, for this
1: i just put it on facebook and they all came forth i
0: mean These, this
1: is the company i keep this is well and they're brilliant people they're yeah. superb people mistress magpie said clove cigarettes can work for some people and where do those- you get
0: yourself a clove cigarette At Google. It sounds like something, you know, when we were 12 years old and people were trying cigarettes for the first time, people were like, yeah, don't don't go straight for the Marlborough, just go to Sainsbury's, buy yourself some clothes, roll them up. I do
1: I think it sounds like someone with heavily embroidered Indian trousers and, and a fetish for dream catchers might be into, you know. Both works. All of these things, unfortunately, may not quite satisfy H's partner's fetish, because for some fetishists, the very idea that the cigarette or the cigar is naughty and bad and dangerous mm. is the very turn on itself. Mm. The fetish can rely very specifically on the exact smell of the cigar. You know, it's, it, it's the whole aesthetics and um, psychological aspects of the experience can be really tied in very tightly to whether it turns the the fetishist on or not so although I would encourage H to try these different healthier options they may not hit the spot for their partner so H might have to make a measured decision do they indulge now and again in their partner's fetish even though they're not massive fans of cigars or do they switch to something that's maybe not so bad for their lungs?
0: Yeah, and when you mention danger, of course, you know, I think if if you are having sex in a bed, that's something to bear in yeah, mind as well, Yeah, please don't set yourself
1: on fire. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: Maybe that's what Kings of the was singing tonight. about. What hot tonight. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, all of which brings us to an end for this week's Foxhole. Thanks again to MyCondom.com for sponsoring this section of the show. And remember, you can get 15% off any of their wonderful products by using the code...
1: Foxhole! Uh, F o x h o l e.
0: And if you have a question of sex for next week's show, Alex, what should you do with it?
1: You should tootle on over to our website, which is modernmanman.co.uk, click on feedback and send me your query.
0: And with that, this week's Modern Man is nearly at an end, but we do have a new ambassador. It is JWCW123, who has posted us a review at iTunes.com/slash He says, Working in Germany, I'm subjected to trashy Europop and senseless adverts. Your podcast is literally the only thing preventing me from German radio-induced suicide. Um, thank you, JWCW123. Uh, you're obviously a hard man to please. I note that you gave the All 4 app by Channel 4 just one star. Harsh. Uh, JWCW123, I am honoured to knight you our new ambassador for Germany. Our theme is by Django Django from their first album and here's a song to flush out your ear canal. It's the new one by Dan Kroll. It's called Swim and it's out now on Communion Records. I've been Ollie Mann, the producer Matt Hill and we'll see you next Tuesday. Some shudder